Uh, let's go ahead and bow for a moment in prayer as we begin. Father, we are grateful for this time that we have to come together and to talk about the ways that Satan looks to um, infiltrate our lives and to cause us to sin and fall short of thy glory. Be with us, watch over us, and protect us from these devious, insidious tactics that he has. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, four smart rats. Have you ever seen a cuter bunch of rats? You know, we have a, a chicken coop. We have chickens. We have three chickens in our city of Irvine. And with the chickens comes the feed, and with the feed come the rodents. And at one point in time, somehow a, a rodent had gotten inside the house, and he, they were getting in through the attic somehow. And I was trying to catch them. And so I had got the, the big rat trap. You've seen those, not the little mouse traps, the big ones. They'll break your finger, it seems. And so I had it set up, and as it was set up, um, one day I went up there, and it disappeared. It was gone. And I, I was just trying to figure out, how did this, this trap disappear? And three days later, I was able to locate it by, by smell. And this rat had drug it all the way across the attic, up been over, around, and through uh, until he finally kind of fell into this hole that he was climbing up, a, a portion of the wall, and he just had no foothold anymore, and there he, he, he expired. Um, if you talk to professional rat catchers, there are such a thing as smart rats. These are rats that they... They avoid the traps. They know better. And a lot of times, when they do finally catch the smart rat, they'll see, well, they were big, and they might be missing a limb because they had chewed off a limb, and they, they know what to avoid now. So when you're trying to catch a smart rat, how do they do it? Well, one of the ways they do it is they, they take that same trap that they use for the, for the dumb ones, and instead of setting it, they leave it unset. And they put their little bit of cheese or peanut butter and bacon on there. Sound good? Cheese, cheese and bacon? huh? And they put it there. And maybe the first night it's not touched. Maybe the second night it's nibbled at a little bit. Maybe the third night it's gone. No problem. They pick it up. They rebate it. A little bit more cheese, a little bit more bacon. The fourth night, it's gone. Rebate it. But they're not setting it. The fifth night, the sixth night, the seventh night. After a week of this, they set the trap. And in the morning, they have a rat. Satan does this with us. Um, there's one quote. There are two sentences I want to read. Um, this is from a book uh, called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. But just two sentences because I think it's important for us to get a picture in our mind how important it is not to be desensitized to evil. Not to be desensitized. An apparently trivial indulgence. Trivial indulgence. This is, this is where desensitization starts. You know, it's not really sin. It's not, it's not really bad. Well, maybe it is a little bad, but somehow we can overlook it 
An apparently trivial indulgence in lust or anger today is the loss of a ridge or railway line or bridgehead from which the enemy, Satan, may launch an attack otherwise impossible. The smallest good act today, and let's define that as just avoiding those traps that Satan sets out for us, the smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point from which a few months later you may be able to go on to victories you've never dreamed of. Um, as we go through our form, there's, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I, that desensitization stuff, that doesn't work. It, it's not real. It's just psychological babble. It, it doesn't really work. It, maybe it works for rats, but it's not going to work in me. I want to share with you about a, a four-minute video clip of uh, a young woman who uh, is deathly afraid of snakes. She can't even see a picture of them without cringing in fear. It's so bad that it affects her normal life. She can't live a normal life. And um, there are desensitization programs which over you know, weeks or months will take you through and desensitize you to whatever your fear or phobia is. But uh, this one doctor uh, from Norway, I think, he does it in three hours. And so you're going to see in three or four minutes... Uh, how this transpires. Let's go ahead and watch this quickly. Eight. Mariam's anxiety soars. I, I can stand with my back towards you if you want to. Okay. And then I can. Like when I close my eyes. And then I can gradually okay. turn. No. Standing here now with my back towards you. First does that for two minutes. What is Mariam thinking? It was horrible. I felt that I was going to leave the room and that it was, you know, stronger than me. And what was Urs thinking about her reaction? Maybe not the strongest I've seen, but uh, up there among the 25% strongest. But he knows that initial anxiety is not the best predictor of success. It's motivation to succeed. She lets him turn around after three minutes. Okay, I'm going to close my eyes. Okay, but don't come. No. You're doing good. Let's try to watch it. It's in my hands. She looks for the first time. That's the only way you are going to get new knowledge. It's completely peaceful. She stands and smiles as her anxiety level comes down. She's learning. But if you stay exposed to the situation long enough, you see that the anxiety level goes down. She lets him enter after eight minutes. She realizes that her catastrophic belief can't occur unless Erst releases the snake. I'm not doing that. After 15 minutes, Erst sits down. Some anxiety returns. Try to breathe slowly and calmly and with your stomach. She calms down. So, what about the name for it? (laughs) (laughs) And where are you going? I'm going to move here. Okay. What do you think it feels like? This is a a nice snake. Her anxiety is down. Thirty, great. You're sitting about, what is this, 
three meters away. I'm going to approach you. I'm going to approach you. Yeah. Good. But hold it. <laughs> yeah. What psychological principles might account for the improvement so far? With the help of a therapist accepting to take in new information. There's also positive reinforcement and modeling. What's Erst's assessment so far? Deep in my mind, I know it's going to work. That means that I don't have to be impatient, I can be calm. Certainly his research supports his confidence. Across several types of specific phobias, even with children, Erst's research shows over 80% improvement compared with control groups. And the results are maintained at a one-year follow-up. Well, the research is actually very, very strong. Um, I must say surprisingly strong when you consider the, the kind of dramatic nature of the intense approach. It's close to one hour now, and she decides to name the snake. Maybe Alf. Alf. Yeah. Okay. Alf, that's a nice name. What would it feel like touching it? <laughs> I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. After an hour, she touches Alf. Good. Did you touch it? A little bit. A little bit, yes. You know, I'm touching the snake. <laughs> you are touching the snake. Progress is very uneven throughout the afternoon, but it provides an opportunity to challenge the catastrophic belief. No. And you died. No. No. You survived. Great. Alf is placed on Marion's lap, but again, progress is uneven. Alf's on her lap now alone. One more time. One more time. And finally, it's time to test Mariam's catastrophic belief. But Alf's more interested in the radiator and warmth. The snake didn't do a lot of things that she predicted it would do. What about Mariam's catastrophic belief? Is it down to zero? Yes. Good. Now it's time to pose. A picture. Okay. What do you think? Does desensitization work? Yeah? It does. And, and there's a mechanism. And I think what I would like you to understand today is that how that mechanism works. Because at, you know, there are some good things that desensitization is used for. Um, we'll talk about those in a minute. But the mechanism. First, he helped to reduce her anxiety. Uh, she had this horrible, he, he asked her at the very first, he said, what are you afraid of? Well, she was afraid that if the snake got out, he would come by her and hour at her, and she couldn't escape, and she'd die of a heart attack. Well, you know, that was what her fear was, but was that truth, right? So he said, what? no, no, that, well, it can't happen. If I'm holding him, he's not going to get away. And then she slowly saw that she just had a lot of misinformation, and he supplied her some new information about snakes. And of course, he was holding the snake. Uh, it, was, it was fine. It wasn't attacking him. Positive reinforcement. He had modeled uh, the ideal reaction to harmless snakes. So this exposure helped her to get over her fear. So why, why do we care about desensitization? What do you think? Why do we care? Okay, excellent. So 
we, we do it with our small children. We introduce them to things that um, they shouldn't be afraid of. You know, Lori, to this day, she's afraid of dogs. She had a bad experience with dogs. It was almost reversed, right? And so then desensitization, you can help them to get over that fear. Why do we care? Why do we care? Yes. You know, because I care, right? I care because of me. You care because of you. Because we can be desensitized to the things that God cares about. And, you know, it's like, did you see the, okay, there's a couple statistics that he, he uh, Dr. Erst ran through. Uh, one thing he said was, he said, you know, I know it works, so I don't have to be impatient. I know it works, so I don't have to be impatient. And I can just see Satan saying that. Oh, I know it works. So I don't have to be impatient and try these different things. I can just bank on the fact that little by little, as I go after Joe, that little bit here, a little bit there, he's going to put a couple black marks. And another bit of research that was in there was that 80% after a year, it's still stuck strong. And it's not that it never goes backwards, but it's a pretty strong. Once you're desensitized, once you're not afraid of snakes, once you're not afraid of rats, once you're not afraid of, of evil, you're not afraid of it anymore. And that initial fear is gone. So why do I care about it? I care about it because every time I allow myself to lose that bridge or railway, as uh, the quote was from C.S. Lewis, um, there's a, a point at which Satan, maybe he can come in. And he couldn't have got there any other way, but now that he has that, that, that bulkhead, that place where he can stand in my life, now he can, he can attack a little bit easier, a place where he couldn't have attacked before. So why do I care? I care for me. Why else do I care? Because my family. And this works the other way around. If you're a kid, too, you can affect your parents. But I really care. You really care. I did this for uh, teens also. And I'm not going to focus on as a, I didn't focus on this as much for them. But as a father, as I become desensitized to the things of this world, which Satan loves us to get into and distracted by, and God hates. As I get it, it affects my family. It affects my wife. It affects my children. Okay. The first recorded desensitization in the history of the world. Who knows it? Adam and Eve. Okay, somebody find, or if you have Bibles, open Genesis 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. Who has that? I'm going to take the microphone over to him. Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Raise your hand if you have it. I'll walk right over. Right here. 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, Hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. 
But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Okay. Keep your Bible open if you have it there. So, did God say, um, how did Satan reduce Eve's anxiety? Did she have any anxiety? Huh? She didn't want to die. So there, she had this thought in her head. Was it a proper thought? It was the truth even. Okay? So how did Satan then start desensitizing her? Let's look at the first. How did he quench her fear of a bad outcome? He lied to her? What did he say? You're not going to die. He just, you know, let's just get this straight. You're not going to die. Oh, she's thinking about it now. And he gives her some new information. What other new information did he give her? Yeah, there, you know, there's a reason God doesn't want you to do that. There's an implication there, right? He implied, he didn't even say it. He didn't say God's bad. He didn't say God's mean. He just said, you know, if you eat from that tree, um, you're going to be like God's, implying that God doesn't want you to do that, right? Gave her some new information. Uh, instilled a desire for a good outcome, maybe the same thing. There was a couple other things in there that were new information. What were they? Or a desire for a good outcome. Eyes are going to be open. What else? You'll never die. You'll know good and evil. That's another one. You have new information here. And it's good for food. Positive. This is good. It's good to eat, too. On top of it all. It tastes good. Okay? So um, I didn't want you to think I just made this up, this desensitization thing, and said, well, you know, this is what psychologists are saying, or this or that. No, this is, we, we have actual examples of it in Scripture. We're going to hit a couple more in a minute. Okay, let's talk about some of those good uses of desensitization. So one was for maybe a fear of dogs. What is another good use for desensitization? Fear of people that are uh, in neighborhoods and uh, have backgrounds. We should be desensitized to that. We should re really. Okay, so now th see this was one that I would have never thought of because I thought it was good to be afraid of that because there's so much evil over there. But Brother Edmund has this different experiences that, you know what? Yeah, there is a lot of evil, but they're people, just like you and me in those bad neighborhoods, and they're living in fear too, of the really criminal, if you would. And 
they need our help. They need our love. They don't need us to be shunning them. They need us to be opening our hearts to them because they are all, you know, open. So that's another good use for desensitization. What else? Carol, do you know any? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I was thinking from the medical perspective, in, in one specific way, right, Be, being desensitized to the fear of blood or operations, yeah? Painkillers are? Oh, okay, good, good. So there's other things, yes? Oh, yes. They, that's interesting. There's a statistic that more pe people are afraid of public speaking than people are, who, people are afraid of death, you know? There are more people who are afraid to speak in public than people who are afraid to die. So that means at any given time, on any given funeral, the person giving the eulogy would rather be in the coffin <laughs> than saying the eulogy. Okay? Let's talk about some of these scriptures. I just want to have it perfectly clear. Um, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, I'd say now, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. What does that mean? having their conscience seared with a hot iron? One more time. Seared, okay. Okay, once something is burned and scarred, there's no pain, there's no feeling there anymore. Okay, and then you can see, you know, I have many scars about what I've learned. Okay, so this is desensitization. Way back here in 1 Timothy. Let's also read, um, okay, I'm going to just read Ephesians 4.18. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, or separated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling. That's another way of talking about desensitization. Past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness and to work un, all uncleanness with greediness. Interesting verses that you, you read that and it's like, oh, I, I never want to go there. But you have to remember, how do you catch that smart rat? It takes a bit of time. Um, I'm gonna, I asked this in the teen class. I'll ask it here. How many of you, how many of you have a television at home? Okay, keep your hands up if you have a television. How many of you, if I told you that there was a program on and it was 99% great stuff, but only there's a, just one little commercial which might be a little questionable. How many of you, um, you can put your, hand, put your hands down, would, no, I'm sorry, keep your hands up, but yeah, you have to get the question here. How many of you um, would put your hands down if you would turn off the TV and not watch that program if just 1%? Wow, okay, good. You know, this is, what about if it was 30% bad? 
Oh, good. Pretty much there. I still had a bunch of hands in, in teens, lots of hands. What about if it's 50% bad? Okay, you know, there it is. So we can see there, you know, it sounds like, well, am I desensitized? No. Well, you, you, we have our reasons. But then what if I said, okay, I have a glass of water in here, and it's one, no, let's say it's 50% water, and it's 50% arsenic. Oh, no, 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 you wouldn't do that. But, you know, arsenic, it, 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 it's very slow. It kills you very slow. 50% of my kill you fast. But what if it was, was 99% water and 1% arsenic? You know, it doesn't ever go out of your system. It builds up. This is how you, you poison people slowly, right? But this is what it's talking about. You wouldn't drink that the glass of water with 1% arsenic, but yet most of us would watch a television show I can tell you, I watched, I, I did a calculation. I'm about even now. I have, in my life, I stopped, I gave away my television at about 20 years old, and I had watched about 20, 22,000 hours of television. And now, as it's been 20, 25 years later, I have not watched about 25,000 hours of television. And so what have I done? You know, I've had some time to spend some, time with my family now, because I didn't spend that time doing that. But just think of all the desensitization, because commercial television is all about desensitization. OK, Jeremiah 6.15, Old Testament. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. They couldn't even blush. I kept this verse afterwards where it says, Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? I thought that was a very appropriate follow-up verse. Okay, so to what sinful things are we being desensitized? What do you think? Give me some. Gossip and rumors. So how, how are we being desensitized to gossip and rumors? I'm just praying for that person. Oh, that's interesting. So, you know, there's this person that we all need to pray for. But, of course, you have to know what we need to pray about. And so there, there's this gossip and rumor. So it's like painting it a little bit different. That's good. What else are we being desensitized to? Or have we already been desensitized to? What do you feel in your life you've been desensitized to? Any of those questions? Immodesty. How so? Because we see immodesty all over. So how are we being desensitized to immodesty or to modesty? We yes, you know, tolerant yeah. The the tolerance term. Every every movie, every film, every novel, going going to the store. Going to campus here at church camp, we are being, okay, let me ask you this. Okay, you, you saw that three-minute video I put up? Did anybody see a problem with that three-minute video? What? Immodesty? Huh? Okay, how many of you noticed how low-cut her, her blouse was? Okay. You know, 
It probably took me my third time around before I even thought of it. Okay, it shows you how much I'm desensitized to it. Okay? But I really thought to myself, I thought, oh man, should, should, I, should I put that up there? Should I put it up there at church camp? Right? But then I thought, you know, I want to see how many of you noticed. And I want you, all the ones who didn't raise their hand, I want you to think how far we've come. And we didn't even know it. I just didn't notice. Yeah, I can be honest with you. Um, I didn't, what I, when I said I didn't notice, I didn't, um, it didn't dawn on me that it was bad, but I can tell you I noticed. Okay? Uh, so we're being desensitized, and we're being desensitized by, okay, it's hard to not, you know, what are you going to do at church camp, right? You're, you're going to go out, and you're going to go to church camp, and somehow we're being desensitized, but you've got to go, can't just sit in your house. But some of these other mechanisms, right? Some of these other things that are being used by Satan. Yes, Sam? You know, Brother Joe, it's interesting compliment you gave, and that's what we all said you noticed, but you didn't think it was bad. That's what we all do, we all notice, but then we all put it on a scale, and we weigh it. How bad is it? It's not so bad, it's really bad, not a problem at all. We all do exactly the same thing. But the question is, is that which standard do we use in terms of how bad it is, or is it not bad at all? Amen. This is the key. Our standards, we have to have these very, I don't want to say high standards. I just want, just give me the standard. Okay, what's the standard? It's God's standard. There's the standard. Very easy. A lot of times you have to ask the question, what can you do about it? If you see that, what can you do about it? Okay, that's a very good question. So let's talk about television. Let's just talk about television. We're not going to talk about movies. We're not going to talk about books. But most of you raised your hand that you have a television in your house. Um, and let's just say you watch, let's talk about the news. Okay, is that benign? We're not talking about sitcoms. We're not talking about Three's Company or whatever they are now. I don't know, the different shows that are existing. Let's just talk about the news. Do you think the news is, how many, how many people watch the news? Okay, I'd say a majority. Yeah? So you, were, you kept on going. It got so bad that 14 years ago, you finally said, enough. And you just turned off the whole TV. That's all the TV or just the news? All the TV. Okay. Okay, so we were talking about the news. So most of us watch the news. Um, how many of us, okay, just of those who raise their hands, how many of you think that there are things objectionable on the news that you shouldn't be watching as a, that God wouldn't want? Okay. A good portion still. But yet, we say it, we, we, we say it, we know it, we saw it, but we kind of have a little box, and we have this little justification black box in our head that says, it's okay. It's okay. And, you know, okay, going back to just my experience. So on the plane out to Eastern Camp, out to Ohio, they have, they have little televisions on there. And um, 
I forget, you know, there was some sitcom, I don't know even what the name of it is, because I looked at it, it's like, oh, what's this? I plugged my headphones in, and I'm just listening to them. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I've been out of this for too long. They didn't bring me along for the ride, you know, these last 20 years or so. I don't want to listen to this. Now, when I first got rid of my television, you know, I was addicted. I could not, if it was in the room, I had to have it on. Now, probably took me seven years before I can go into a, a room with the television and not turn it on after that. You know, I just had to be away. If it, and even to this day, if there's, a, if there's a television, you know, if there's a television way over there around the corner and I can see the reflection in that window, my, and I'm talking to you, I'll be talking to you and I'll be looking like, like this. You know? Okay? Uh, I, you still want to do it, but, you know, it's desensitizing us Two, because there's no recourse. You know, if, there's some, if you say something bad to me, all of a sudden, my eyes are going to look at you and I'm going to kind of give you the sign that that wasn't something, you, you shouldn't have said that. And you kind of back off a little bit. But on TV, they've said it 15 years ago or three years ago or a, a day ago. And it's being broadcast. They can't take it back. And they can get those two or three people that will act out and, and be bold to desensitize. That's all it takes, a couple, three of them. Yes, Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. It's always playing. In the elevators where you go, it's always there. You know, you go into the elevators now, and, and, and it's 30-year-old music, and, it, and of course it was rock then, and it's rock now, but, you know, but we think it's old music. We think, oh, that, at least they're playing the older stuff now. Okay? Desensitized. Okay, why do we... Okay, going back... How, much, how many people realize how desensitizing they are when they go into the grocery store to shop? Because all of that subliminal messages are going through your head, and the way things are placed, and all kinds of things are happening to you. Right. We, the, the consumerism, everything else. Why do we care about desensitization, right? Why do we care? Well, I showed you a picture of me first. Then I showed you a picture of my family. Well, there's another reason why we care about desensitization, and that's because there is so much work to do. What, what do you think about when I say there's so much work to do? What do you think I'm talking about? The Lord's work. Well, what's the Lord's work? That's very generic, but that's a, I agree. With ourselves. There's so much work to do with ourselves. Okay. I, I think sometimes it comes to a point where we've become so desensitized that we may not want to go talk to that brother or that sister about maybe being not dressed appropriately because we have our own little vice our own little liberty. We don't want anybody to come talk to us about ours. Oh, I like that. We say, well, I'm not really qualified for the topic. That's right. I don't want people talking to me like that, like I'm thinking about that person. So, therefore, I'm not going to talk to Brother Bob. nice thing about being old is that you, you, you downsize the bit of a lot of your thing. Mm-hmm. Then only you realize how much time and effort and concern and all the rest went into all of those things. Very good. I'm not talking about getting rid of this. Not even getting rid of the microwave. 
fact is, the thing, so much to do, is things that we have purchased ourselves and have to care for. Right. You know, I, I, I read once, uh, some guy was talking about just all the work he had to do with the, the front lawn and the pool. And then he figured it out. He goes, he took all the chlorine for the pool and he threw it in the front lawn and he threw the lawnmower in the pool and he was done. Okay? But what does God care? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Mel. Oh, um, I just wanted to say, you said that you had to get rid of watching TV for 20 years. It took another 20 years to get rid of that desensitization. Right. Well, yeah, and I'm not even sure that I'm still not fully recovered, but I can tell you now. Yeah, it takes a long time. Yeah, you can't just say, I'm going to put my TV away for six months and I'll be all better. I can tell you, it doesn't work that way. I, I, I really feel it took like seven years just to the point where it's like, okay, it's, I'm, not, I'm not shackled to it anymore. And now I can turn it on or I can turn it off. I don't have one, so it makes it easier. But if I'm away and it's existing, but now it, it causes, you know, I tend to turn it off because there's just nothing good there. Yes? Right next to him. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just the television. You know, I know one kid he meet he emails his mother upstairs that he's hungry. You know? It's true. He really does. They don't talk. They, they communicate via email. Yes? This is very key. Yeah. But you have it wrong. That's the, the other form, like the, the legalism form, right? Not to say that we're all legalists, but we have, God cares about people. He doesn't care about things. He doesn't care about the lawnmower. He doesn't care about the pool. He cares about you, your family, your, your brothers, your sisters, your friends. The, he cares about souls. He cares about souls. We are a soul. We have a body. You see the difference? We are a soul. We have a body. God cares about living souls. That's what we should care about. There's so much work to do with living souls. And so, when you pull out that phone and you're flipping through just to see the last email you got or the text you're going to check. Or somebody's, oh, living soul is trying to communicate with you. But the one right next to you is being ignored. It just happens that way. So it's important to realize how we've been desensitized because there are so many living souls that need attention. God working through us. We're his hands, we're his feet. We're his mouthpiece, and many times... He needs our time.
No, we need to give him our time. He doesn't need us much for anything. Um, are you desensitized? What do you think? Okay. Are you desensitized? Yeah, what do you think? Somebody said, oh, that's texting. Okay. Yeah, I just kind of typed it in that way. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. When I talk about this desensitized, you know, the Holy Spirit has a still small voice. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit in our hearts tells us what is right. The thing is, if we have so much noise around us, how will we hear it? Amen, yes. And being modesty or anything else, you know, this tells us what to do. Yeah. God's Holy Spirit. And we have to listen to that more than the noise of the world. This is true. This is very, very true. And if you quench the Spirit, well, as it says, right? Quench not the Spirit. Talks about the hardening of our hearts. Talks about desensitization in the scriptures. Are you desensitized? Okay. Um, the traps. The traps. Um, I want you to remember those rats. And a lot of times we justify. You know, I, I, there's a friend at work. He just watches the stock market on TV. But then he complains about what it's doing, you know, as if, as if it's going to change anything. Um, other people, they just watch the news. That's, it's funny, when you talk to people about television, you know, sometimes they ask me, oh, did you see this? Oh, you kind of felt bad for a while. I don't have a television. And then all of a sudden they think, well, you're more holy than thou, you know. I, I tried to not do it in that way. But then, invariably, people say, well, you know, um, I don't watch it much. You know, they justify right away. I don't, I have one, but I don't watch it much. I just watch the news. I just watch the sports or the basketball game. I just have it for whatever their little thing is. Um, is it really that important considering the truth that Satan's using it a little bit of the time, or a lot of the time, depending on what you're watching, to desensitize you to the things that God cares about. Not only to desensitize you, but to steal that time away from you. To steal that time away from God. You know, a lot of times, you know, oh, I'm going to do this because there's just nothing else to do. Well, if you just don't do that thing and you're sitting there, you think a little bit about what, God, what would God want me to do right now? And that still small voice might be saying, call your friend, call your neighbor, go help the widow. Go sing a song. Go, go do something. Listen to that still small voice. But we can't because of the noise that's around us. <clears throat> the news. The newspapers even. Well, it's not so bad. It's not as bad as the television. You can choose what articles to read or what not to read. But I can tell you another experience I had with the newspaper. I don't get the newspaper for the same reason I don't want the television. But there was um, a free paper that comes to our house every Thursday. It's just the, the city paper. And it was on the table. I got up Saturday morning, and it was quiet. Nobody was awake. And, oh, there's this paper. And there's this article about some little boy and some puppy. And, you know, I, I, I read it. And it was just a miserable article. 
and I was sad at the end of it. And I thought, you know, it took me probably eight minutes to read this article. Why did I read that? I can't help that little boy and his puppy and whatever it was. Why did I even read it? It didn't do me any good. And it just re-solidified in my mind. I don't need that newspaper around because it really didn't help me in any way, shape, or form or help anybody else. It was just a waste of my time. Books. You know, there are many great books that can exhort us and cause us to think about things of God. But there are a lot of things that are just kind of wastes of time. And somehow we justify. I'm not, what I'm saying, you're going back to the Spirit of God leading us. The Spirit of God can lead you individually, guided by his word on what to read. The internet, same way. It's old. You know, you just get in there. I'm only going to take a few minutes. And then all of a sudden, it's been an hour and a few minutes. And music. All of these are traps. How about the education trap? That's a trap, too. Sometimes um, we are desensitized because any time you go to a public school of learning, it seems, they're talking about, you know, just these little insidious comments, you know, billions and billions of years. Um, they're talking, you know, there is no God. Somehow it's in there. That, that it's in the curriculum. And yes, we need to, to be able to uh, earn a living for ourselves. We need to support our families. But we got to be careful as we're getting our education. Um, be, make sure you're filling your, your heart and your soul with the things of God so you can be sensitive, sensitive to where those traps are. And even if there's cheese on them with no bait, you're not going to go after them. Because you know, God's telling you, Evil companions, this is for the teens more, but sometimes we have the same problem. Uh, evil companions, people who just, you know, you're around them, and you just, it, it causes you to be desensitized just by their very being. Um, we need to pray for them and pray that God would help us to figure out how to deal with them. Okay, solutions. We're going to go into solutions today. So first off, we need to recognize our own vulnerability. You know that you are able to be desensitized. I know I am. You know you are. And it's been in the back of your mind until now. But now, every time you think about a rat, you're going to say, ah, desensitization. Where am I since Eastern Camp 2010? Am I more or less? Am I, am I catching these more often or not? So recognize your own vulnerability. We need to be sensitive to the things of God. How do you be sensitive to the things of God? Yes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's to lead us into things that maybe we fear, but we fear them because it's unknown. We don't know sure. what God's going to do with us. Um, and just an example would be like sometimes it's actually possible to fear like you're looking too good. Like if there's a magazine and there's a Bible and there's a bunch of people all around, you could actually be afraid that if you read the Bible, people are going to think something of you, like you're just trying to make a show. Right. So it's actually like harder for that reason sometimes to actually pick up the word of God. Because most people, or maybe most people around you are reading the magazines, and you don't want to make them look out. You're sure. You know, guilty for reading a magazine when you're looking at the Bible. Yeah, it's not even for you. You just don't want to make them feel guilty. So, I mean, I think it's hard to. I think there's a really delicate balance. Just remembering that we can talk to God and say, like, I'm really scared to do this right now because it's going to make me maybe look bad, or it's going to make. So we just have to give God that fear. 
saying that we'll trust him to, um, no matter what the outcome is, that he'll provide for us. Right. You give it over to God. That that's good. Excellent. Excellent. You know, I, I used to think that on the plane. I'd have my Bible in my little briefcase. And, uh, you know, you think, well, you know, nobody else is reading the Bible. I'm going to make them all feel guilty if I read the Bible. But then I thought, you know what? Who cares? I'm going to read it anyway, you know? Um, be sensitive to the things of God. Okay, avoid the traps. If the things that God hates don't shock you. So, your homework for this week when you go home or next week, if you... If you go back to your regular routine, you know, take, and you see something on TV, and you think about the rats, and you think, huh, you know, what I just saw, that was something God hates. You know, he hates adultery, he hates fornication, he hates lies, he hates disrespect to parents, you name it. That's something that God hates, and I, I didn't even blink. It took me five minutes to even realize I just watched that. If the things that God hates don't shock you. You are desensitized. Yes. Um, I want to share an experience that's actually very shocking and disturbing. Um, well, I had some spare time, so I went on the internet desensitizing myself. Um, and I saw this this title for a preview, and it it attracted my attention because it had it was like. It sounded like something scriptural, like it came from Revelation about you know, the end of the world. I forgot the title was. And this movie didn't, it was a preview, and, it, and I know it didn't show because I haven't seen it. And I was watching the preview, and it was so disturbing. Um, it was about the end of the world and how um, God got mad at the people. And all the humans were getting together to fight. God, God's angels. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. They just made it you know, God's the bad guy. Mm hmm And I know the movie didn't come out. They didn't um, let it come out. But it's just... It's true. It's true. You know, the... the thing about this movie is that it's true. In Revelation, they're all going to come in Revelation 19, and God's the bad guy, but I can tell you, he wins. Yeah. Go against God. Yeah, they probably, it probably will come out a little bit later, because something's going to have to prepare the humans, because when you read in Revelation what happens, you just can't believe it. You're thinking, how are these people so foolish that they're going to fight against? Anyway, true. And thank you for sharing that. Yes. She basically saw a preview of, of a movie that maybe didn't come out yet or maybe won't ever come out that was showing how God was angry with the people of the earth. And it was, it was playing against that and showing that who is God to be angry and we the people are going to stand up and we're going to fight against God. Which is going to happen. Okay? Okay, we've got to move on a little bit here. Okay? So, if you are not feeling that um, if the things that God hates don't shock you, you're desensitized. And you need to really think about how important that TV show or that 
that little thing that you do or don't do is to you or is to God, and think about changing it, okay? Now, sometimes we're just past, as David was past, when he sinned with Bathsheba and killed Uriah the Hittite. He was just past understanding at that point in time. We, when I was younger, I used to think, how could he be so dense? But now I can see how he can be so dense. So um, God sent Nathan to him. And we need to na- listen to Nathan's, and we need to be Nathan's. I know we were talking about, sometimes we're afraid, Brother Paul was talking about, sometimes we, we're, we don't want people coming to us, we don't want to go to people, but you know, as the Spirit talks to us, and we're supposed to go talk to somebody, we need to do that, and then as, as the receiver, we need not to receive the Nathans in our lives with a sly smile and, yeah, whatever you said, because, you know, that hurts. It's a person-to-person interaction. And if you shut somebody down who's trying to give you some admonishment or some advice, you know what you're doing? Not only are you not accepting the advice, of course, but you're shutting them down. You're going to cause them to fear to talk to anybody else. And God wants them to talk to people. He wants you, he wants me to listen to the Nathans in our lives, those who will tell us the truth, those who will tell us the truth about maybe what we should or should not be watching. I remember um, my cousin, um, Bill Pamer, okay? He was living at my grandfather's house, going to school in Cleveland, uh, no, I'm sorry, in L.A. at Cleveland Clinic for chiropractic. And we would go for long walks in the evening uh, sometimes, and um, I, was, oh, I was watching TV at this time. I was probably 16, 17 years old. And I was watching, there was a, um, a movie or a sitcom or whatever it was called, Hill Street Blues. I don't know if you ever heard that. And for whatever reason, I loved that show. And he said to me, well, why do you love that show? Oh, I had all the good reasons, you know. They're, they're, I, forget, I can't even remember. I, I, I had to just make them up because there really are no good reasons to watch that show. And now, years later, I thought about that. And I thought, boy, I, I was so blind. I was so blind. And now I think about it, it's like, oh, I'm embarrassed to say it. I'm embarrassed to say it. But where I was in my life, I think I was converted already even. I was watching it, I was thinking it's good, and now I look, it's like, oh my goodness, if my kids were to see it, if I were to see that now, what a horrible thing it had in it. Okay, what else? Oh, okay. If you don't like what they say, it's probably a sign that you're desensitized and that you need to get better quick. Okay, what else? I have this. Okay, remember this? Okay. We talked about, here, here's a picture, here's this picture right here. We talked about the little black marks that appear as you're desensitized, right? And so I can't write on the wall up there. They get mad at me. So I, I, I write on this picture. It's like, here's a black mark because I watched Hill Street Blues. You know, here's a black mark because I, you know, went on the internet and there was some funny joke or something that somebody sent me. Here's another black mark. And, and we think, oh, you know, there's some black marks. And, oh, I, I kind of got one on my little son there. And we think, you know, most of us are thinking, this is how we think. We think, yeah, those black marks are there. But look, wait a minute. That, there we go. They're gone. That's what we think, right? They're gone. But the truth of the matter is, who knows what this is? Glass cutter. 
The truth of the matter is, those marks are not being put on by a pen. You know? That's what's happening. Every time we allow ourselves, every time an apparently trivial indulgence, any time we allow ourselves an apparently trivial indulgence in lust or anger today, it's a mark. Huh? Okay? It's a mark. It's the loss of a ridge or a railway line or bridgehead from which the enemy may launch an attack otherwise impossible. And you notice that mark is not just on me. Think about every time, because it's a daily decision. Just because you failed today, that you failed this minute, that you clicked on that last thing doesn't mean you have to click on the next thing. When the Holy Spirit's convicting you, you need to say, stop. This is really important. This is eternal. This is forever. God's put us here for a reason, and I really suspect one of the reasons is that we learn obedience to him and his word through his spirit. And as we're convicted, picture by picture, film by film, program by program, novel by novel, as we're convicted to where not to be, hopefully we can tune in a little bit to see where God wants us to be. Any questions or comments? Fashion. Oh. I do have a few more minutes. I want to talk about that because I was thinking about the different magazines. Okay. Men, you know what magazines you shouldn't look at, right? You know it. But, you know, there's a magazine called Men's Health. Oh, Men's Health, that's good. I tell you, it's not good. You know? It might be 80% good or 85, maybe even 90, I doubt it. But it's not good. And women, if you're reading, I don't know, Cosmopolitan, if you're just in this supermarket looking at what's there, whatever's right there, I can tell you it's not good. I got a Reader's Digest. We used to have Reader's Digest at home. And we got a subscription and it came in the mail. And here, here it looked like this. But when I went to the grocery store, there was the same issue and it had a different cover on it. But when I looked, it had that, like that gum um, adhesive. It was just a cover, and it matched all the other glamour covers, you know. It was just a cover to incite, you know, either um, women to dress in an immodest fashion or men to look at it. One way or the other, it was designed to get attention. But it was the same magazine with a different cover pasted on it. Even our beloved Reader's Digest, this is not so beloved, I don't think, anymore. You know, it's all about money. Yes. Uh, I was in a car. I turned on our Christian radio station. It was the movie Bible. And, and I was listening, and here it was Nancy Levy Moss. And she was talking about modesty. And I was so thankful. You can get it on the internet if you 
But she was talking about modesty and how we should be. Very good. Okay, excellent. And, then, and there's also a, um, it was an interesting one for younger people, but everybody can go and look. Um, it's called the Modesty Survey. Um, and it was a survey that went out to 10,000 young Christian men. And, it, and the, the survey was, um, actually it was all the questions girls want to know. You know, does it really matter to a guy, because it seems that they don't know, if the skirt is at the knee or below the knee or above the knee? Does it really matter? There's a survey. Does it really matter if, you know, the neckline's here, here, here? There's a survey. And I can tell you, when I was answering from the man's point of view, and I'd say, okay, let's see what, it, you know, all the men, I was right there. I agreed with them all. So 10,000 Christian men, you can go there and women, you know, maybe you have been desensitized to the point where the glamour, mag you think you need to be like the glamour magazine, or maybe you just need to be like the um, Architectural Digest because even something like that, it's in there, right? They're always dressed in a certain way. Go look at the Modesty Survey. You just type that in on the Internet. And in the Modesty Survey, it's going to tell you, you know what? You're going to give 50% of the guys trouble if you wear that. Yes? Well, I think it starts like way before that because it's like having girls on the verge of adolescence or whatever, look at what their selections are. You go to buy them undergarments, and they're every color of the rainbow. Like, back in the day, a little girl wore white. Like, they didn't go around looking like prostitutes. Like, that's what I call the garments. Yeah, this is true. This is true. It, it starts, Brother Bob? I, I know this is not going to bring friends or people. It'll probably influence some people. But think for a moment, and I, I believe the sister totally got some good stuff from the Christian station. Mm -hmm. But we are being desensitized from the Anabaptist Truth. of believing by listening to too many Christian stations. I, I'm hoping the brothers that are in the other um, program that's going on this morning are able to sort, and I'm sure they are, and, and I, I trust that they're willing to sort out also What's the difference between biblical practices and tradition? Yeah. But we are being desensitized, and, 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 and what I fear is more of us are willing to be Christians for sure, but not so sure apostolic Christians. And I'm not using that as a term of our denomination. I'm using it as a term that was the basis of the beliefs and the practices of the, of the Anabaptist from the apostles on down. Right, from the very earliest church. True. And, and I can see it. I, you know, I'm old enough to have seen something different. Yeah, excellent. Any other thoughts or comments? Okay, way in the back here. All I know is everything that we've talked about is us. All I know is I want Christ to be in my life. I want to live the best Christian life I can live. Amen. And I need to get away from all the human discussions about this and that and the other let's argue back and forth about Baptists and Catholics and this. I need to accept Christ in my heart. And that's all I need to work out. And to be able to go out and help another person maybe accept Christ too. You know, it's all about all the other stuff the Lord does not matter And that gets right back to the apostolic you know, this is this is where that's what it should be, right? Okay, I'm sorry, Trudy. Our work is to obey. You know, when I when I 
destroyed that nice picture frame, I was really hoping that you would think hard. Because it was really hard for me to take you know, a brand new thing and to, to you know, take a carbide right through it. But it's important for us to know that it is perm it, it's a permanent scar. It's thousands of little permanent scars that are on our life. And you can't erase the past, but you can change the future. And minute by minute, you can change the future. You know, because a lot of times you get to yourself, oh, I, I turn on the TV and I watch that commercial, and, well, you know, I might as well watch the rest of it now. <laughs> no, just stop. God's pleased with just stop. Okay, Roy, and, and then... I thought about dropping that on the floor to see what would happen. And you cannot put it back together. They're too important. If it's not for you, it's for the kids. It's too important. We're out of time, Brother Ted, a short one? Very short. That's why the Lord was so concerned about that. He said, and said to the Father, Of the world. Amen. Thank you for your time.